This is the Unstoppable Authors Podcast with world-building warrior Angeline Trevina, planning and productivity powerhouse Holly Line, and formatting fireball Julia Scott. Every week we bring you discussions on the craft of writing, author life and business, and interviews with some of the industry's most unstoppable authors. A writer's life doesn't have to be solitary. We're here to bust that myth, support you on your journey, and encourage you to be unstoppable. Welcome to episode 134 of the Unstoppable Authors podcast, and today I'm talking to Seth Overton about writing Gamelet. First up, my personal update. I honestly haven't done a lot since the last episode because I've been away on holiday. We took our boys away for a few days to a caravan park that, interestingly enough, I used to go to every summer back in the 1990s. It was, of course, incredibly different to what I remember. Although, surely the 90s were only a few years ago, right? Please tell me they were. So yeah, I took some time off and now I'm in that zone where I'm trying to get back into routine, which is something I always find quite difficult to do. One thing I have pushed forward with, though, is stepping into the world of audiobooks. Findaway Voices have opened up their new marketplace, which is a really easy way to find narrators. I'm starting with 30 Days of World Building, and I know that a lot of non-fiction authors narrate their own books, and increasingly fiction authors too, but I honestly, I just have no interest in doing it myself. I had a good think about it, and no, it's just not something that I want to do. So I set the project up on the Findaway Voices marketplace and told them what kind of voice I'm looking for. And within just a couple of days, they sent me a bunch of suggestions, which are absolutely brilliant. I am really, really impressed by how well they stuck to what I asked for. So my next job is deciding who I want to ask to record a sample of my book for me. But it's all very exciting and nice to be trying something that I haven't done before. Let's move on to our question of the week. Last week, we asked you, how many projects do you have on the go right now? N.L. Blandford has one in editing and two more developing in their minds, saying, I currently prefer to write one at a time and focus all my energy on those characters. With a full-time job and all the hats a self-published author wears, I'm not sure how I could handle more than one. I can definitely appreciate that. Melinda says four, maybe five, all in various stages from getting initial ideas and brainstorming to revising drafts. I like multiple stories at once. It keeps my brain sharp. And if I get stuck in one, I move to the other. And this is exactly how my brain works, too. And this is the perfect demonstration of how different people need different things. Heather says because I work full time and write part time, I can only do one at a time. But while one project is with an editor, I'm working in another while I've parked a third. So it's not multitasking, just parked works. And Eric says two or maybe three, usually two in the same series, though it's non-linear. So that makes it easier Then another in a large series. So I guess that's three. 
I absolutely love to hear how differently all of us authors work. I find it absolutely fascinating. So thank you to everyone who answered our question this week. Make sure you're following us on Instagram or join our Facebook group to answer our questions of the week. And this week, what I want to know is, do you have a hobby that you've written about in your books? No new patrons this week, but a huge thank you to all of our current patrons. We really do appreciate the support. Patrons get early access to episodes, exclusive access to our off-air banter, and the chance to join in with our monthly sessions of sprints and giggles, an evening where we do writing sprints, ask, answer questions, and have a laugh. If you'd like to join in and also support the show, you can do so for just £3 a month at patreon.com forward slash unstoppable authors. And it would be really great if you could take a moment to share this episode on social media. Grab a screenshot, share it directly from your podcast platform or even take a selfie with it. Just remember to tag us so that we can share it too. It means so much to hear from our listeners and to know that you enjoy the show. Now today I am talking to Seth Overton, a keen player of both video and tabletop games and an author of Gamelit. Seth was born and raised in Missouri, where he graduated from the University of Central Missouri with a bachelor's degree of science in education. He now lives in Austin, Texas with his wife and teaches English language, arts and reading. The Mortal Gate is his first novel and he used his experience and passion of storytelling and video games to create a story that challenges readers to find the best in themselves. Hi Seth, thank you so much for uh, joining me today and can we just start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got into writing? Absolutely. Well, first off, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to right. talk with you. I love I love talking with authors. I love talking about books. It's fun. Um, well, my name is Seth Overton. I am from I am from Texas in the US. I am a high school English teacher and I also am a self-published author, independent author of a game book that is called the Mortal Gate. And I got into writing very young, actually. Uh, writing and reading books, especially fantasy and sci-fi, has always been a niche of mine. And I love I love making up new things. I love writing about new worlds and characters and creatures, all of that. It wasn't until about, about three years ago, whenever I went to my very first writer's conference, that my mm. wife actually surprised me with and oh. yeah, yeah, she was, she's awesome. She's great. Um, she sent me to one in Kansas city, Missouri, because we were living there at the time. And I met all of these publishers and authors and up and coming writers that were trying to pitch their ideas. And it just, it inspired me so much, uh, even to the point where a couple of publishers have, uh, asked me, Hey, what are your ideas? I pitched a couple of them, one of them being this book actually. And they go, wow, I would actually really like to see that come to fruition. So it took me about two, two and a half years to uh, get my first book written. And I honestly could not be more proud of it. That's great. I, I love that story. I love that that's how you uh, <laughs> got into writing. So yeah. 
what made you go down the indie route out of interest if you ha- if you were talking to publishers before what made you choose indie well it was mostly due to the times i mean during those two and a half years uh covid hit and mm-hmm. since then everybody started to turn into writers everyone started to turn into uh authors and there was just this huge influx of uh submissions to all of these different publishers even the ones that i was looking into and they closed down their submissions they closed down their Mm. uh their requests unfortunately and that was when um again my wife being awesome she actually started helping me to do research on self-publishing and independent publishing uh methods and it was through that that a little more time was taken in order to have it happen but i eventually found uh kdp through amazon Mm. and i published everything through there. And it was very, it was very liberating as an independent author, because not only do I have the freedom to put together what I want, but I also have full authority to be able to make edits and changes at my own leisure, rather than on a schedule, Mm. or rather than from somebody else's uh, desire or need. It was just all on me. And I loved it. (laughs) I, I hate to tell you it's addictive. (laughs) you've caught the bug now that's it yes (laughs) (laughs) so it's just so liberating it's so fun to be able to not have to be on somebody else's uh schedule and you can literally write whatever you want you can write about the craziest characters or the most realistic of stories and no one can tell you and let's go this route or "Eh, let's go this (laughs) that's literally your own voice in your head telling you no let's go with this one yeah that's what that's why we all love it so you write game lit or or yes. lit rpg um i don't know if it, are these different things or are they exactly the same and what do, what defines that as a genre and how does it differ to other fantasy and sci-fi subgenres well whenever i first got this idea um i obviously had to do my research because i discovered game lit and lit rpg through different sci-fi um genres because I knew that I wanted to make a book that was based on characters getting uh, trapped in a video game. And I had to think, well, what would this qualify as? Through my research, I found two different subgenres, excuse me, um, game lit and lit RPG. I wasn't sure about the difference because they both sounded very similar at Mm. first. But the further I dove in, I discovered that lit RPG is literally as if you took a video game or a tabletop game and scripted it out like wrote it down word for word session for session uh every single little tidbit from characters evolving and uh leveling up Mm -hmm. to uh encounters being able to determine if a character is uh of a high enough level to take on that creature or that boss that bbeg whoever it may be versus gameway which is actually more versatile uh you don't have to be as specific you don't have to give your readers a full-on character sheet every time that a character levels up you actually have full range to be able to tell the reader um based on the game mechanics this character was able to gain either a new uh spell or a new ability or even some new armor and that's what i took in uh game lit gave me more versatility and it gave me Mm -hmm. more freedom to create the world that I wanted to and the interactions that I wanted to without being subjected to very strict rules 
So lit RPG is a little bit more strict in its mm. definition. And I have joined a bunch of groups uh, uh, through Facebook and through writer forums that are specialists in lit RPG. And the more that I delved into their forums and uh, into their blog conversations, the more I realized that lit RPG definitely has more uh, more restrictions and mm. a very set path versus game lit, which gives you a little bit more freedom if you still want to go that route. Yeah, that's interesting. There you go. I've learned. I've definitely learned something. <laughs> yeah. I knew. I knew this was going to be an educational chat. Um. So your book, The Mortal Gate. Uh, what prompted you to write that? What What was the the main thing, other than obviously your wife pushing you? <laughs> well, um... obviously knew you were meant to do that, but because you're a big video gamer, so yes. what made you think? I'm going to write rather than just play the games. I want to re- actually write them myself or write about them. Well, what I wanted to do is I, I spend hours uh, playing video games. I, I love different genres. I love different play styles. And then I thought to myself, well, what if I had the ability to create my own game? And I literally went through a drafting process of about three or four different potential uh, stories uh, for potential plot lines. And of those, the one that I chose for the Mortal Gate was more in my wheelhouse because I kind of gear myself towards more fantasy, uh, hard fantasy and medieval based uh, play styles and mm-hmm. uh, storylines and characters. Because I, in addition to video games, I also am a avid tabletop role playing game uh, player. I actually play quite a bit of Dungeons and Dragons, which is where a lot of my inspiration for my characters and my creatures mm-hmm. in the book come from with my own additions and my own tweaks to it as well. And it was just really fun to think, okay, if I had full range and ability to create my own video game, how would I want it to be? What would I want it to be like? And in that development process, I also start to think, what if it's not through a character through a game character's perspective? What if it's through the one that is controlling the game character? Because if you ever sit in a room of gamers and they're all on their own individual screens, they are going to have their own dialogue. They're going to have their own reactions and uh, interactions with the gameplay they're going to be either excited that something happened. They're going to be upset because they got killed. Mm. They're going to uh, have conversations and discussions about the NPCs. And I just threw all of that together into this one book where my characters are thinking like real people in a world that doesn't have the same timeline or the same dialogue or the same uh, methods or interactions Mm. And I loved mixing those together. <laughs> it was like it was like time travel, taking somebody from modern times and throwing them into a fantasy medieval realm and trying to understand how they operate and how they work in order to survive or in order to get to the end. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, if I was thrown into a setting like that, I would not last five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, with it, 
it's really fun. I, I apologize. It's really <laughs> fun to write characters that also think, well, I'm going to die at any moment. Mm. But then they realize that the human fight or flight instinct has not left them. And it's either you fight or you run. And that is where my characters learn how to adapt and learn how to survive either by interacting with uh, NPCs and uh, making friends or defending themselves against mm. those that are enemies. Yeah. <laughs> With the rising popularity of video and tabletop gaming, what do you think the future of lit RPG and game lit might look like? I think it's a bright future. I think that since since we've all gone remote and have spent more time at home probably than we ever have, video games have exploded. The demand for them has just redefined how we interact and how we encounter situations like this. In addition to that, um, tabletop gaming has also taken itself online and that has just taken the world by storm, such as the, the recent uh, critical role series that came out on Amazon prime that started as a tabletop game on Twitch and exploded into this entire fandom so the future for gaming, regardless if it's videos or tabletop, I think it looks really bright. And I think that readers are going to demand more from that genre. There you go. <laughs> Good one to get into. So I'm, I'm sure that there are lots of transferable skills between gaming, especially tabletop gaming and writing. So what skills and knowledge have you learned through playing games that you found helped you with your writing? Definitely uh, description of all mm -hmm. kinds, uh, because whenever you get into a game, you take in the environment, you take in just how much time and detail it's taken to create a very immersive world. And you had to think, what was it like being at the writer's table describing this area of the game or describing this new landscape and the description and the detail helped me to develop the description detail, not only of the landscape in my book, but also the description of my characters mm. and the different uh, interactions that they have with wildlife, with um, drastically changing climates and regions. The description is one of the things I had the most fun with. And it's one of the things that I am most proud of in there is how descriptive that I was able to make it. Because having to describe events that happen in a video game to somebody that has never played it before, you have mm. to be a storyteller. You have to be willing to get really into detail unless they ask you not to, because mm. gaming is not necessarily in their wheelhouse. But aside from that, I think also plot development, because one thing that gets people into gaming is plot. Mm. Um, that may not be the same idea for those that play online games, such as, I, I don't know, like Fortnite or Minecraft, but the fact that a lot of gamers are in it for the story and the plot development is what keeps them hooked. You don't want it to be too linear because then the readers are going to think, well, I already know where this is going. So why continue on? You also don't want it to be too expansive because then you just waste a lot of time in one area and you're no longer on the main plot. So finding that sweet spot between overly descriptive and linear was a challenge, but it was a welcome one. Mm. oh that's oh, yeah that's good um yeah I, I 
I think video games um, quite recently have become very, very plot driven, haven't they? It's, um, yeah. Yeah, incredibly strongly plot driven. Of course, we see a lot of movie spin-offs from video games as well. So, and we, we see a lot of crossover between videos, uh, uh, video games, movies and books. You know, The Witcher being one. Oh yeah, yeah. Some of them <laughs> succeed very well, such as The Witcher, and then there are th- those that maybe don't do so well. Um, like one of the games that are currently being made into a live action is uh, the Halo series, and mm. anyone that is a fan of Halo, I kind of grew up with it. Anyone that's a fan of Halo, you're going to have your reservations because it's such a it, it's such an expansive story and it is so plot driven that with so many different avenues to go through you wonder which one are they going to go with is it going to be one that the fans will understand and they will remember and stick along with or is it going to be one that is developed newly by the screenwriters and lose their audience because it's not what they grew up with it's not what they enjoyed so it's really a make or break situation you either succeed or you don't yeah (laughs) you're also a teacher which is a very demanding job so how do you balance that with your writing time well it is very demanding and it also is very difficult to find time between uh grading uh and lesson planning and Mm -hmm. meetings to kind of do something that i have enjoyed so much of so i kind of incorporate both of them at the same time when i know that there are days that um it's student driven. I've got a little notebook with me at my, uh, in my classroom that if I just, if I just, if inspiration strikes from a lesson that I'm teaching or from a book or a, uh, piece of literature that I'm teaching, I'll kind of just jot it down in my notebook and I'll keep it with me at all times. That way I can see if I can develop on it any further. And it actually has helped out it because anyone that writes, one of the biggest pieces of advice from any writer is don't stop writing. It can just be a note. It can be a full on plot that you're trying to hash out, or it can just be title ideas. The more that you write and the more that you jot down, the less likely you are to waver away from writing. So at work, I will have some time to be able to do that as well. And then I come home and I think, you know what, I can dedicate at least maybe an hour or two a day on my computer in my office, just pour myself either a cup of coffee or something, just sit there and write out my ideas and then hash it all out later. It's just all about time management. Yeah. <laughs> oh, those awful words, time and management. <laughs> yeah. The bane of any writer's existence. Ty- not time not my strong point. <laughs> <laughs> so what advice would you give to someone who wanted to get started writing in game lit or lit RPG? Um, my biggest advice is pay attention to the games you play because it could be inspiring. Yes, you may develop uh, a little bit of what's called imposter syndrome, thinking, oh, I'm just pulling ideas from something that already exists, so why keep going? You can still use those ideas and twist them into your own format. Inspiration comes from everywhere. Yes, a lot of things have already been done, but that doesn't mean that something new can't come from it. And anytime that you get inspiration struck, like, oh, I would, I would have done this differently, or I know that I could have done this better, 
make a note, just pull out your phone, pull out a piece of paper and just note, like, what would you do differently? Learn from the experiences of the games that you play because they could develop into something new. Mm-hmm. And can you let our listeners know where they can find out all about you and your books online? Absolutely. So uh, The Mortal Gate has been published on Amazon and Kindle, and you can find it either through paperback or as an ebook on Amazon.com, or you can follow me at my website at www.overtonbooks.com. And I also have a Facebook page, Overton Books, for any that would be interested in either liking or following for more updates and potential future books to come out from me. And I know that you you are present on TikTok. <laughs> Slightly, yes. I okay. I recently I've recently tried that out, and uh, I follow a lot of book talk uh, authors, and I'm learning from that. So if that's a way to get myself uh, out there for readers to follow along. Uh, they can follow me at TikTok at overton.seth and they'll find me. They'll find some experiences I've had with uh, my books and how it has also been incorporated in my teaching life. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a TikTok convert. <laughs> it it's taken over. You're either with it or you're not. Yeah. <laughs> now, all of our guests don't get to run away until they've answered a would you rather question. So <laughs> yours is, would you rather be the hero's sidekick in a game or be the villain? Oh, that is a great one. <laughs> that is fantastic. Um, I actually think that I would rather be the villain. Yeah. <laughs> because villains, villains just like heroes or protagonists, have so much character development. They, the less linear that they are and the more relatable that they are, the more that the readers or the more that the players will think, you know what, maybe the villain is not so wrong. And I think that villains just have a lot of fun and (laughs) their, their, their viewpoint on the world is definitely going to be different from the heroes, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's always wrong. Yeah, very true. Being bad can be quite fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much for joining me, Seth. I have learned so much through this because, yeah, this is something I did not know about very much at all, Will. So it's been really interesting chatting to you. Thank you so much. I had a lot of fun and thank you so much again for this opportunity. It was fantastic. Thank you very much to Seth for joining me. And just a reminder of our question of the week. Do you have a hobby that you've written about in your books? And remember that if you want to join us for sprints and giggles and get all of the other benefits, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash unstoppable authors. And don't forget to share the podcast online and tag us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search for unstoppable authors. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Unstoppable Authors Podcast. We'll be back next week with more of our tenacity and worldly wisdom. Don't forget to visit our website to get the show notes and heaps of helpful blog articles at unstoppableauthors.com. And join our guild of unstoppable authors and you will not only hear from us every week, but you will also get a free digital copy of my book, 30 Days of World Building. 
If you enjoyed the episode, please remember to subscribe and leave a review.